Good afternoon. Welcome to Honey in the Rock, your daily dose of inspiration and encouragement. We look forward to having you on the show. Thanks for joining us. This afternoon's episode is titled, Speak Evil of No Man. It shall be focused on the study of Titus chapter 3. Before we go any further, we'll begin with a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, like the scriptures are teaching us to speak evil of no man. Help us, Father, if we don't have anything good to say, to just hold our peace. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. Up next, we shall listen to Titus chapter 3. Chapter 3 Put them in mind to be subject to principalities and powers, to obey magistrates, to be ready to every good work, to speak evil of no man, to be no brawlers, but gentle, showing all meekness unto all men. For we ourselves also were sometimes foolish, disobedient, deceived, serving diverse lusts and pleasures, living in malice and envy, hateful and hating one another. But after that, the kindness and love of God our Savior toward man appeared, not by works of righteousness which we have done, but according to his mercy he saved us by the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Ghost, which he shed on us abundantly through Jesus Christ our Savior that, being justified by his grace, we should be made heirs according to the hope of eternal life. This is a faithful saying, and these things I will that thou affirm constantly, that they which have believed in God might be careful to maintain good works. These things are good and profitable unto men, but avoid foolish questions and genealogies and contentions and strivings about the law for they are unprofitable and vain. A man that is an heretic, after the first and second admonition, reject, knowing that he that is such is subverted, and sinneth, being condemned of himself. When I shall send Artemis unto thee, or Tychicus, be diligent to come unto me to Nicopolis, for I have determined there to winter. Bring Zenos the lawyer, and Apollos, on their journey diligently, that nothing be wanting unto them. And let ours also learn to maintain good works for necessary uses, that they be not unfruitful. All that are with me salute thee. Greet them that love us in the faith. Grace be with you all. Amen. It was written to Titus, ordained the first bishop of the Church of the Cretans, from Nicopolis of Macedonia. Up next, we shall listen to a sermon by Reverend William Brenham titled The Pergamian Church Age. This was preached in 1960 on December the 7th. We'll begin at paragraph 11 up to the end. I trust you find it to be a blessing. One night I was going out of the church and someone said, Oh, Brother Brenham, I sure appreciate that sermon. And I said, Thank you. And uh, so if somebody stands at the door, it's been many years ago, here at the tabernacle, a minister said, well, bless God, I don't want anybody telling me that. He said, I want all the glory to go to God. I said, well, it does. And I said, uh, well, I like it myself. 
I said, I really like it. And I said, I have to be truthful. And he said, uh, he said, well, I don't like for people say it about me. Bless God. And I said, there's just one difference between me and you. I'm honest about it and you're not. <laughs> Anybody likes, if you take a little child, brag on him a little, he'll do a better job. See? See? God always, he likes to tell his children when he does, Right? You like to tell them when they're doing wrong, so why not tell them when they're doing right? So I certainly thank God for Brother Neville being the pastor of this flock here at the tabernacle. And seeing that man, Methodist, background, slow to, why just like, uh, won't eat in the wrong stall. <laughs> so, but finding out through the, uh, the great Holy Spirit and now coming into those gifts and how fluently the Holy Spirit used him when he don't use his own mind. Watch the interpretation with the same rhythm and the same ups and downs like nouns and pronouns and so forth and answering it right back again. And this little brother, I don't think he's... Uh, Junior Jackson. Well, I'll keep still, Junior. <laughs> I thank God for Junior Jackson. Amen. The brother certainly has a great gift from the Lord. And just always keep humble. Now, everyone in the church has something to do, but don't ever pull it aside for something else. Let it blend in with the rest of the church. It's for God, all things. See? See? Don't everybody want to speak with tongues. Everybody interpret. Try to do something good and just keep being good. Hold no malice, no grudges. Don't let any bitterness. No matter how bad the person is and how bad they talk about you, don't you never think evil in your heart against them. Because right there the devil will set right in and work up something right there. Just keep it all covered up with godly love, confession, and making right. And do good to those who do evil to you. If you only do good to those who do good to you, why, Jesus said, don't the publicans the saints, the sinners, anybody can be good to those that's good to them. But be good to those who are not good to you. Do something for those that would not do nothing for you. Speak a good word for the man that would speak evil against you. That way you keep all the bitterness out of your heart. You're always in love with everybody then. As long as you stay in love. Now you say, well, they did. We're not the judge. God is the judge. And you won't want that poor fellow to be cast away, would you? Certainly not. No matter who they are, you wouldn't want that. So try to be kind to them. And love uh, hides a multitude of sin. <laughs> yes, sir. Love. Just that good Christian godly love. The man comes up and calls you a holy roller and all kinds of names. Now, now, just don't act like it, see. If you can't act like it, just walk away. But in your heart, you should be to a place you say, well, it, uh, perhaps, brother, if you understood him the way I do, You'd feel like I do about it. See, and just be real sweet to him. Like, go ahead like that. And even though we might differ as far as the east is from the west, that don't make any difference. As I said the other night, I got a brother that's a, he's a man-sized man, <laughs> Melvin. He's tall, blonde-headed. We don't look no more alike than if we wasn't any relation at all. And our, our appetites are different and our desires are different. But yet, his mother is my mother. His father is my father. He's my brother. See? Because we were born in the same family. 
Now, we differed. Melvin's not a Christian. And he likes baseball, horse races, and things like that. And I, I think he likes chocolate pie. So I'm sure we're different there. So I, I don't like horse races or baseball. I like fishing and hunting, see? And he wouldn't turn his hand over for that, and I wouldn't turn my hand over for the other. So then, see, but he likes chocolate pie, and I like cherry. So then, now I'm not hinting, see? But uh, <laughs> I said that one time in a meeting somewhere, that I like chocolate pie, and the next night I had about five chocolate, or cherry pie, and I had four or five cherry pies. The sisters had baked and brought to me. Mighty, we have a jubilee up in my room. <laughs> But I, I don't mean it that way. So uh, I mean just to show you the difference, you see. But no matter what he is, I love him. He's my brother. And so he's not a Christian because he sees things in another light. I see things in the light of Christ. But yet I can't say he's not my brother because we're brothers born in the same family. Now, <coughs> last evening, I made a quotation at last. And remember now the first message come to the church after the ones that you know about besides down there in Kentucky was that there will be mysterious things in this meeting that will shock many. Remember that? It's on tape now. See? Last night one of them was revealed. So kind of stopped just for a second but I'm sure you caught it because the Holy Spirit brought over that was to be an eternal hell. There's no such a thing in the Bible. There's no eternal hell. If you had eternal, if you burn in hell for eternity, then you have to have eternal life to be there. If you're alive, and there's only one form of eternal life, that's God. See, so, and then the Bible doesn't teach an eternal hell; it teaches an everlasting hell. That might be for ten thousand million years. I don't know, but it has to cease. Because I had to bring it in there. I keep it away from the churches and things till I, it's up to me to say it. And then there's several things in here that's going to be up to me to say it. And so then each night we find them. But now from tonight on, begin to put on your spiritual thinking, you see. Let the Holy Spirit just soak it in. And then if you're here and disagree with it, just go away and say, Poor Brother Branham, he, he certainly doesn't know. I'm going to pray for him. And you do that. And then I'll, the Lord will make me know what's true then. But you just sympathize with him. Don't, don't cast him away. So then um, um, that might be true also. But, oh, I'm having such a good time uh, uh, thinking it this way. So it's just making each end meet. And, uh, I, I may be wrong, but there may be a break there somewhere I don't know nothing about. So maybe you do and you pray the Lord will show it to me. And <clears throat> now... And above all things, keep praying one for another and never let the devil show any bitterness anywhere. See, keep your souls pure in this hour, for we're in the closing hours of the history of this world. See, we're at the end, friends, without one shadow of doubt. If we come down along these church ages, we're going to find out pretty soon, and maybe a whole lot of it tonight, we're more or less backing up and getting a background where we have to close it out. And now and tonight we reveal some real spiritual things. Remember now, I've said it, you'll have to put your spiritual thinking on, but watch the Scriptures. It's got to be in the Scriptures and it's got to be through the Scriptures. See? 
I remember the, just the knowledge of the Word of saying, well, I went to high school, I went to Bible school, I went to college. That doesn't spell nothing. All the Pharisees and Sadducees did the same thing and missed knowing Jesus by a million miles. See? The Scriptures, the revelation of the Scriptures is hid from the eyes of the wise and prudent and revealed to babes such as will learn. So let's you and I be babes and just unload our hearts and say, Lord, you, you tell us and we, we are listening. And then catch the spiritual application. Uh, remember that words that will be said from tonight on catch the spiritual application because we're coming into the great mysterious church age. Now, <clears throat> I think that was all. Now, I remember tomorrow night we're on another church age each night and I'm sure that we could have plenty of time tomorrow to run all day long on this and then tomorrow night too. But uh, see, many of them will be working and I'll try just get the very highlights of this message that hit the spots it spoke of here, which you can take one of them and just keep on running it out to just no telling where it would go, you see. But then you study it out at home and I'll be praying for you and you be praying for me and God bless us together as Amen. His believing children. Yeah. Now before we start, I wonder if it wouldn't be too hard on you if we could stand and you know why I like to stand and pray? Uh, Jesus said, when you stand praying, pray our Father who art in heaven and forgive one another, you see. Then Gideon chose his army one time by uh, the ones that stooped and bowed down and lapped the water or the ones that stood up and got the water, you see. So the ones that fell, they've been, been prostrating themselves before idols and he knew they wasn't subjects to go. So the one who stood with her eye up watching all the time, that's the way we do, stand and pray. Now, I believe in kneeling and praying too, but standing and praying, I think it just means something to us somehow. Let's bow our heads now. Each heart be bowed also. Gracious Heavenly Father, as we are now solemnly approaching thy throne of justice, and we're not coming to ask you to give us justice because we'd all be consumed, but we're coming pleading mercy, O Lord. Pour out upon us tonight of thy Holy Spirit, not because that we are worthy, but because that we are unworthy and realize it and recognize it and are coming not in our own name because it's not sufficient. We have no justice or or nothing, our utmost righteousness would be filthy rags in your sight. So we humbly come in the name of the Lord Jesus, bringing him before us, the blood of his covenant, packing it up on our hearts and saying, God, be merciful to us sinners who are pleading for mercy in the hour of distress, that when someday the last sermon will be preached, we don't know when it will be, the last time there will be a shout go in the air, the Bible will lay closed on the pulpit. Arms will be stacked and the taps will be sounding. The sun will be setting. Oh, God, then hide me over rock of ages. Oh, that out. And we see there's no escape now, nothing but through you. We see nations are breaking. 
We see the Bible fulfilled. We see Israel awakening. We see the message to the church. And the hour is just about over at the time of great things to be revealed and the seven seals open. God, God, oh God, be merciful to us. We plead for mercy. And as your servant, I plead for mercy for everyone in divine presence tonight. God, may there not be one person among us that's got sin on their soul, but may it be cleansed just now by the blood of the Lord Jesus, that we all might meet in that blessful place yonder beyond the sky. And as I approach this scripture tonight, Father, oh, I'm insufficient. God, there's none of us sufficient. We admit we know nothing, Father, but we're solemnly depending on the Holy Spirit that He might reveal to us as we unfold through our our mental knowledge that you gave us the history, may the Holy Spirit give the spiritual application to our hearts. Yes. Grant it, Father, for we wait on Thee in the name of Jesus, Thy Son. Amen. 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 In the second chapter of the book of the Revelation and the second church, the third church age, Begin. Pardon me. Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thine will be done in earth as it is in heaven. We ask you to be with us, Father, and bless us and help us to be wise master builders in this hour of great distress amongst the people when confusion and all is being carried on. Help us to be our best, Lord to be your servants through Christ's name. Amen. Now, I said that first that you might know. Did you notice the interpretation didn't come to the Word? Our sister was anointed with the Holy Spirit, no doubt, but she had gave the message after the Word had been come into it, you see. It's just a little bit from the order of the thing. Now, that was all right, sister dear, ever who you are. Holy Spirit up on you. Oh, it's so hard to hold it like that. I know. It's just like when you'd be saying something other and see, but it was all right, but you probably felt it even before that we started, you see. And that's the reason, see, it comes back when the Spirit's working. The spirits of the prophesiers are subject to the prophets, you see. That's now, maybe the Holy Spirit anoints you again. I hope He does, just after the service is over. And you watch the interpretation come, see. Because it's the right straight in order then, you see. But we're just approaching the Word, you see, in here. So I, I, that was really of God. It really was. I believe it, feel it with all my heart because I felt the back come to it, you see. But the Holy Spirit, it wasn't time. He's got a message to the sister for the church, but here's where he's working his message now. See, he won't confuse himself. He puts all things in order. I'm sure everyone understands, you see. That's just right. Now, in the 
in the second chapter of the book of Revelations, and let we begin tonight with the with the Pergos age, of the twelfth chapter. Now, last night we left off at the eleventh verse. He that has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. He that overcometh shall not be hurt by the second death. Now, in the first church age, we found out. The Nicolaitans had started in. God revealed himself, uh, Jesus revealed himself as the Almighty God. No other, no parts, no pieces of God. He was God alone. Now, in the last night's church age, we find out that he stood at the door and he uh, wrote these things to the church and told them of their poverty, but he said they were at a, uh, this uh, Nicolaitans and so forth that he hated. Last night... They were the, wore the martyr's crown. He told them not to be fearing unto death that he would, uh, he would be with them. And then at the last, he said, He that overcometh, he that overcometh shall not be hurt by the second death. Now, if there's one death and we know about it, then there's got to be another death somewhere. Because one death we die here in the flesh. The second death we died in the spirit, the soul. It's, and the soul that sinneth, it shall surely die. Die is just absolutely go out from everything. <coughs> your, your death means to be uh, uh, taken away. It's, it's, it's carried away, hid away. Now, when our loved ones die, they're out of existence as far as we know. We call that death. But a Christian does not die. There's no scripture that a Christian dies because he's got eternal life. When a sinner dies, he's finished. And his soul will finally die. But when a Christian dies, he's just waiting with Jesus to the return back again. Oh, I hope I have time to get to that at the end of this vision tonight. Uh, to that where we come back and you'll see it how it brings in that same thing of the second death this same chapter we're on tonight brings in the same thing and such a beautiful application here now now tonight we're going to read this letter right quick because I have some some information historically we want to get to first and try not to keep you too long now at the, after these services are over any time it's I'll read this too fast. If you want to get the application of it, Brother Mercer here has it all. I hand the notes right to him, and he could, because uh, he's writing on the book, he'd give you any ditto you, you want on it. That'd be all right, Brother Mercer. Twelve verse, unto the angel of the church of Pergos, write these things, saith he that has a sharp sword with two edges. I know thy works, and where thou dwellest, even Satan's seat, and thou holdest fast my name, and hast not denied my faith, even in those days, wherein Antipas was my faithful martyr, who was slain among you, where Satan dwelleth. But I have a few things against thee, because thou hast there them that hold the doctrine of Balaam, who taught Balak to cast a stumbling block before the children of Israel to eat things sacrificed unto idols and to commit fornication. So hast thou also them that hold the doctrine. His deeds back there in Ephesus, now it's become a doctrine. 
doctrine of the Nicolaitans. You remember me telling you that the other night, how to approach to that? Uh, deeds in Ephesus, now it's a doctrine. Uh, the doctrine of the Nicolaitans, which things I hate. <coughs> Repent, or else I will come unto thee quickly and will fight against them. Not the real church. Them with the sword of my mouth. He that has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. To him that overcometh will I give to eat of the hidden manna, and will give him, him a white stone, and in the stone a new name written, which no man knoweth, saving he that receiveth. The Lord add his blessings to this. Amen. And help us now as we try. Hallelujah. Now on the background of this church, it's the third church age called <coughs> Pergamos. And the, the date that this church existed was from 312, A.D. 312 to 606. The age was false doctrine, Satan lying, the foundation of papacy rule and marriage to church and state. The reward was hidden manna, a white stone. And the star, the angel of this church, that by all that the Holy Spirit would let me do, I have picked St. Martin. Amen. It was a, a revelation given me on it. Because reading of the other saints during that time, I picked St. Martin because that he was a godly man. To my opinion, he was ten times more apostle than St. Patrick was. Now, St. Patrick was um, St. Martin's nephew. Uh, St. Martin's sister was a mother of St. Patrick. And... Uh, St. Martin uh, was, uh, of course, that was uh, St. Patrick's uncle. Now, his life was from A.D. 315 to 399. Now, here's the reason I picked him in preference to uh, other saints of that day, because the way that he uh, held himself and under the inspiration of God... I do not believe that now the Catholic Church did not canonize him. They did not recognize him. And that's another reason I picked him. Amen. Mm -hmm. Amen. And all these that we're seeing that's got the spiritual ministry that early church turned down, the, the Nicolaitan church turned it down because of these things. They were spiritual. And as I've drawn here, the church was being squeezed out. And the Nicolaitan doctrine was in, the, was in the majority. And the true church was in the minority, has always been. And as I said from the beginning, it was Jesus that said, Fear not, little flock. It's your Father's good will to give you the kingdom. That's why I apply the kingdom to a spiritual kingdom. And we are have a spiritual kingdom. And we're so happy of that. 
and a king in this kingdom. Remember, he is the king of saints. Sainted ones. He is their king who leads them. The life of St. Martin was, is one of the greatest miracle-filled lives of anybody in the church ages. From all the way from St. Paul out. He was one of the most spiritual men. He was... One of his first miracles was he was a soldier to begin with, I believe. And then... One day he was coming by and there was someone, uh, a man laying cold and shivering and all the people that was willing or not willing but was able to help the man, they just passed him by. Like the, the priests, the Levites did in the Good Samaritan. But when St. Martin come by, realizing his duty as a Christian believer, he had one coat, a cloak over his shoulders. He cut it in two with his sword and give half of it to the beggar, he took the other half. That night began his career. For Jesus Christ appeared to him in a vision wrapped in that same robe that he cut half in two. Which fulfilled the scripture, insomuch as you have done unto these, you have did it unto me. So take that for a lesson. Whatever you do to somebody, you're doing it unto Christ. Just remember, let's say that together. What you do to others, you have done to Christ. So no matter what he thinks about you, it's what you think about him that brings the blessing. That was his first miracle and the beginning of his ministry. There's so much to it. Uh, I wouldn't have time because I want you back tomorrow night and every night. So I don't want to keep you too long. All right? The next miracle that I chose to speak of tonight, he was absolutely demolishing heathenism. And he was firmly against the Church of Rome. He absolutely disagreed with all of the First Church of Rome's bishops. He, they was getting whirly and uh, so forth like that, and he withstood them. He certainly was against them. That's a miracle that he even lived <laughs> in them kind of times. Now... But he was destroying a pagan uh, grove one day and a tearing down a pagan altar. And there was a sacred tree standing by the pagan altar. And he was cutting this tree down and many standing by was resenting it. He said, if I be a man of God, tie me the way that tree is leaning and let the tree fall on me. If I be a man of God, if I'm not a man of God, the tree will kill me. If I am a man of God, my God can twist that tree somewhere else. Amen. Quite a challenge. Amen. So they started chopping on the tree, and when the tree started to fall, it switched around and killed a bunch of the spectators. Amen. God twisted it back up the hill. A miracle. All, all the time there was miracles in his meeting. Another miracle that I thought to speak of was a dead baby that he laid his body across and it raised back to life again after he had prayed for some time for this baby. Another one is outstanding to me was uh, the emperor. And uh, he was going to kill some of God's Holy Ghost filled people. And of course... He was uh, 
the right hand of the of the bishop of the first church of Rome at that time, and he actually was a pope before he was called a pope. His name is D A M A S U R, and uh, he. Uh, was putting all the Christians to death that he could get a hold of to put to death. And and this emperor's wife, a pagan in darkness over her own heart, and when this sainted St. Martin came to uh, intercede, his wife put him next to it that he would try to intercede for these Christians not to be killed. Of course, when he finally got to him, didn't do any good because he was just... Uh, the right-hand man to this Pope. So he killed those Holy Ghost-filled Christians anyhow. But St. Martin wanted to interview with him, and the guard stopped him at the gate. Well, St. Martin fell on his face and laid there and prayed until God showed him to go in. When he raised up off there, he walked through them locked doors, and they opened by themselves. Hallelujah. <laughs> now, this is history. This is just not somebody writing about him. It's just a, it's a little... If anything, there would be a prejudice. If it would be some church talking, or the, I'd say at least especially the papal church, they wouldn't mention those things. But see, the history quotes the truth. Amen. And this man walked right up St. Martin and right by every guard and everything else, right into the front of the emperor, and the emperor didn't want to respect God's servant. You know... That, that's, not, that's not mannerly. So he just turned his head and wouldn't even respect him. You know what God did? He tried to talk to him and he just kept his head turned. And God is going to make this heathen pay respect to his servant. So he just set the thing afire and scorched him all out of his seat and raised him up. Now that's Bible history. Nicene Council. He had to respect God. He made him stand up and even scorched the seat where he was sitting. Fire went through his body and scorched the bottom of the seat. And he had to jump up from there. God has a way of doing things, you know. God's able these stones to rise, children, to Abraham. And remember that same God dwells among us tonight. It's the same God. All right. And then another that I like, and then I'll stop. I got some here, but I, I, this is one I was very fond of. While he was one day waiting for his people in prayer in his study room, and he, he was a great man, and he carried this Holy Spirit-filled church and tore us all. Oh, he was a... I had them all filled with the Spirit, all of his congregation, and all out throughout all the country, the Christians did miracles and signs and wonder. See, God speaks to his messenger. The messenger speaks to the laity. And then that's what takes place, you see. He, he keeps the laity and him alike in God. You see, the Holy Spirit flowing through the group of them. Many times when they was martyred, they stood the minister right out among them like that and killed them all at the same time. And um, what evils they did do to them people. They burned them. They took man and nailed them with, down to logs and turned wild dogs loose or, and let them eat from the back of the person, pulling their intestines through before the person ever died. Taking women would cut the right breast off and let them stand there as their heart beat and just throb till they 
pitched over dead like that. Take their children from a expected mothers and feed them to the hogs and things. Let the mother stand and watch it. And all kinds. Now, you wouldn't think that people profess Christianity would do that. But listen, the Bible said, Jesus said, it'll come to pass that they'll kill you thinking they're doing God a service. Amen. You remember that same Jesus that said that through the same Spirit predicted it again in the end time. Amen. It's got to come. If these others hit just perfectly with the Scripture, watch and see if it doesn't coincides exactly through the Scripture and through history. God said it would happen. Here's the history said it did happen. God said it happened here. Here's where it did happen. See, just exactly. Then what are we going to do when we get down to the lady of seeing church age? See where we're at now. And the woes and things pronounced to get in. So, now, then this, he was in there praying while his congregation was waiting. And there was a beggar come to the door and knocked at his door and he opened the door and he was busy, and he told him he wanted a, a garment. He was naked, had nothing, it was cold. And he said, he sent him around to see the chief deacon. And the chief deacon was irritable with him and run him out. And when it did, it run around. He come back again and told St. Martin that, uh, that the, the deacon had run him out. And so then, about that time, this chief deacon come back in and told him, Kind of sharply that your congregation's waiting on you. You're keeping them waiting. But he was in prayer. It's better that he stay in prayer till he feels led of God to go out. And this beggar come back to the door, and St. Martin took off his own good garment, give it to the beggar, and had the, the, um, the chief deacon to go get another one and bring it to him. So he had to get a garment anyhow. And put it on St. Martin, and he wore the lesser garment out before the people instead of his good garment. See, it just goes to show give the best that you have. Yes. Amen. Give your life, give your time, give everything to Christ. And that same Spirit that lived in Christ lives in you. And, and your influence in your neighborhood and upon the people that you deal with will be so much like Christ till it'll work the same thing Christ did. Amen. Finally, it'll come to pass that the people laid in the shadows and was healed. That, that's right. Just so much power of love around them. And they said that when St. Martin was preaching after he came out this lesser robe on, that the entire congregation noticed a glow of light all around him. <laughs> See, because he had done the right thing, Always do right your duty to God. Think right. That's your duty to yourself. And you've got to come out right. Amen. That's right. You just have to. Now, we want to start now on uh, trying to take this in a canon of exclamations tonight because it's dealing here very strong. Now, to the angel of the church of Pergus. Write these things that saith he which has the sharp two, uh, sword, sharp sword with two edges. Now, I want you to notice he's introducing himself again tonight in deity. Every church was one of his glorified state. The one that had twelve star or, or seven stars in his hand. He that has the sharp two-edged sword. See. Something or another. He that has the feet of brass, the eyes that run with uh, flames of fire. 
He's introducing himself back to his deity. Now he said, where does deity lay in this? He with the sharp two-edged sword coming out of his mouth. Well, the sword is the word. Hebrews 4, we tuck it in the beginning. When we run that deity of him down, the sword we found in Hebrews 4.12, that was a word of God was sharper than a two-edged sword. Is that right? That was the word of God. Is that, now watch, you have, get these interpretations. Now trace that word. St. John 1, in the beginning, way back, was the word that created the heavens and earth. Is that right? And the word was with God. And the word was deity. And deity was made flesh and dwelt among us. Is that right? The Word was made flesh and dwelt among us, and here He is standing here, the one at the beginning. Say this to the angel of the church of, of Pergamos. Say this to him, I am the Word of God. All we see over in Revelations coming with His vesture dipped in blood, crown upon His head, riding on a white horse, and on His thigh was written, the Word of God. Oh, I like that. He is the Word. The Word of God. So we see this deity then in the beginning to introduce Himself. He is the Word. Now, if He is the living Word, then this wrote on the Bible is part of Him. Then if you can receive this in the Him which is the Word, this Word comes into you by faith, makes it alive. Because of, oh, catch that. The Word comes into you. If the Holy Spirit's in there, it's alive as soon as it comes in and ever promises truth. Nothing, therefore, if you say to this mountain, be moved and don't doubt your heart, because what? You are deity speaking. You believe it? The Bible said so. And whatever you say shall come to pass. If you'll not doubt, Amen. if you can get all of the, the world bred out of you, let the Holy Spirit make you a full son or daughter of God. No world, no condemnation, no doubt. What is it then? It's no more you. It's God in you. Then you take His word, it's a promise, and say, Father, it's your promise, Satan. Something's got to move. See, now you can't do that until God has revealed to you then what that case should be. See, then when you know what that case shall be, then you can say, like Jesus, He was the Word. Is that right? And yet Jesus, the man, the tabernacle, said, I do nothing except the Father shows me first. Then it is not the Word then until it's made manifest to you. You get it? No wonder people say days of miracles is past. The Word isn't manifested to them. No wonder they can't believe in the Holy Spirit. The Word's not manifested to them. No wonder they can't see the revelation of the baptism in the name of Jesus Christ. The Word isn't manifested to them yet. And yet they don't have one scripture to go to. There's no place where anybody's ever baptized any other way. About the Holy Ghost, the Bible said that no man can call Jesus a Christ only by the Holy Ghost. And people then say they don't believe that the Holy Ghost is right. 
See? See, it's not made to him. Jesus said, no man can come to me except my Father draws him first. And all the Father hath, past tense, given me, will come to me. Oh, isn't that beautiful? All that the Father has given me will come to me. None of them will be lost except son of perdition. And he's born for that purpose. And I'll raise him up again at the last day. Oh, my. There's where our names are put on the Lamb's Book of Life. From the foundation of the world. Isn't that beautiful? How could we doubt? Oh, God, take away the doubt from among us. Just circumcise our poor human hearts. So there will be no doubt at all among us. That's my prayer. Just roll away every doubt, Lord. Let me live sweetly, humbly, and walk as a, as a lamb of God on earth. Let, let me walk like He walked. Let me speak like He speaks. Let my motives be like His motives. Let, let, me, let others find Jesus in me. Let me lose myself and find it, Lord, in Thee. That's it. Let me just lose myself and find it in Thee. Just so enshrouded into Christ till there's no room for no doubt just what He says. Now, I don't write here and say, Glory to God, hallelujah, praise God. You see what I can do? Glory to God. You haven't got it yet. That's not the way he did it. No. Stick his chest out and say, See what I can do? Yes, sir. I'm the so No. He never taken praise for nothing. He gave it to God. Walked humbly and sweetly with such an air around him that people just love to be around him. Only his enemies. And he loved them enough to even he prayed for them constantly all the time. That was your example. My example to do to others as he did to us. Now, we want to notice here again now in the second verse, that which would be the 13th. I know thy works and, and where thou dwellest, even Satan's seat. And thou holdest fast my name and hast not denied my faith. See, they're living where Satan is seated and still they're keeping the name of Jesus. See? And not denied my faith. What kind of faith did he give them? Pentecostal faith Amen. at the beginning. Amen. They had a Nicolaitan faith there, a church organization and so forth. They was building up a church coming into existence under organization. But he said, you got away from that. You hated it and so do I. And you've not denied my name. You've not went after the little cults and things. You have stayed right straight on my name and you've still got my faith like it was at the beginning. Amen. Oh, I like that. Not deny my faith, even as those in the days wherein, I guess you pronounce that A-N-T-I-P-S, Antipas, was my faithful martyr who was slain among you where Satan dwelleth. I'm going to stop there just a minute. Satan's seat. We want to kind of exercise on these things. I want you to catch it. Be sure you do now. Satan, see. Now, God pronounced in Genesis where Satan's seat was, and that was in Babylon. It's always been Satan's seat. And in Revelations, it was the same thing. But if you notice, Babylon changed itself from pagan to papal. Now... In the early years, or just before this taking place, a few years, 
Satan's seat, there the great, um, uh, I guess you would call him a pre-king priest of the Chaldeans, the hierarchy of Babylon changed his seat when the uh, Persians was pursuing him and he left Babylon. His name was A-T-T-A-L-U-S, Atolus, the great king priest of Babylon. When the Persians came in and taking over Babylon, running out the Chaldeans, Atolus, their king priest, fled and took his seat at Pergos. The Satan's seat is where you are dwelling. Get it? Now, that's why I go back to pick up this history out of the uh, church history. Finding where to what taken place when he said you are dwelling where Satan's seat is. I thought, well, where could that be a certain thing, Satan's seat? Then I find out that this great king, after he was fleeing from the conquering Persians that taken over according to Daniel's vision, he came to this city of Pergus at Rome and there made his headquarters. Satan shifted his headquarters from Babylon to Pergus, where future he would start the new Babylon. Oh my. Now you get the backgrounds where we're at. All right. Now, there he martyred this wonderful brother who was martyred there, Antipas, then changing his technique. First, he was a persecutor of the Christians. Oh, how he hated Christianity. And he was a priest king himself, heathen by nature. And, of course, then he changed his attitude and consolidated with Constantine. Constantine was always considered and is by the papal today the origination of the Knights of Columbus. Now, the one that gave that bloody oath. But... Constantine, I say this with reverence and respect to my way of reading out of history, never was converted. Amen. Amen. Now, he dreamed a dream one night that if he he seen a cross and said that by this he would win the battle. And uh, because that, he had promised release to the Christians that he would be a Christian if they would pray for him to win that battle. And I stood by the bridge there. That were he on the other side of the bridge, sleeping, dreamed this dream, and woke up and painted a white cross on the shields of his and all of his warriors, and there were formed the Knights of Columbus, which is under Roman Catholic domination. But... He never did one thing religious. The only thing that he ever did that's wrote in history as I ever seen was he put a cross on top of the St. Sophia Church. <laughs> but he was a politician. 
And when he was the emperor of Rome at that time, he and this pagan priest together consolidated and brought in the lukewarm church called the Nicolaitan at that time, Christianity, which was leaning towards a priesthood and wanted in the church that we've taken in future uh, studies of the church of Ephesus and so forth and, and of Smyrna, those Nicolaitans. Now the Nicolaitans had become a not a deeds like it was back at the beginning here, but here it's a doctrine. Here it was the deeds. They were just trying to get it in. But over here in the third church age, it's become a doctrine. High priest. Great folks hadn't called them popes yet now. But they were called like archbishops. Great fellows, you know, renowned. And their doctrine was, was it was formal. They were getting away from the Spirit-filled, Holy Ghost-led church. They let them go off in the minority and call them heretics because they wouldn't agree with them to have these great denominations. But the church wanted to stay free under a jurisdiction or the power of the Holy Spirit as Christ had promised them. He'd be with them and that was their king. Oh, their king. The true church has never changed its attitude. Amen. Not to be ruled by some a board of, of uh, uh, I don't know what you do call them out there, cardinals and bishops and popes and infallible ones. We believe there's one infallible one. He is our king. Amen. He's Jesus Christ Amen. with us now in the form of the Holy Spirit. Amen. God in us living among us, leading us and guiding us onto the waters of life, making Himself known, showing as He did among those early saints and martyrs that He was the Lord God of creation, healing the sick, raising the dead, Amen. showing visions, Amen. casting out devils. Not one time can I ever glean one thing of all the bishops of the Nicolaitan church that formed the hierarchy of Rome, the Pope, not one time in history have we a record of any of those bishops ever raising a dead or anything like that. Because Christ, the resurrection, wasn't in their hearts. They had consolidated and went off for our denomination, sold out their birthrights, but the church of the living God had the power of Christ. The other church had the dignitaries in it. But the true church stayed with the Spirit. Are you understanding? Yeah. All right. Now, this... Uh, um, so Constantine, to weld his empire together, here's what he did. He took those Nicolaitans and went to them, which was a form of Christianity. Do you understand it clear? They were Christians, so-called, professing Christians without the Holy Spirit. Oh, I wish that sinks in so you'll never let it go away. It was Christians, denominational Christians, without the Holy Spirit. 
they were Christian by name. They were Christian by their gathering together. They'd taken communion. And they kept the orders, but rejected the leadership of the Holy Spirit. They had no signs and wonders among them. They claimed those things were in the past, that they had to set up a church for a reign. We'll get into it in a minute. What kind of a reign? Now, so then the Holy Spirit church had to keep itself away from such things. But in Pergos, it was all addressed to the angel of the church of Pergos. See? Because it was his responsibility now to do this. But Constantine was not interested in Christianity. He wanted to bring his pagan ancestors, his pagan church, and the Lady Ossian, which had rooted in, or the Nicolaitan, which had rooted and grounded into Rome and had made a great showing, and many of the people were Christian believers, so called. Formal. And the true church was in the minority, always was and always has been. Let's go to wait a minute, let that soak real deep. See? Remember, the true church has always been the little bitty group that's been pushed out of the other churches. The true church never was organized. Because it's not an organism. It is the mystical body of Jesus Christ living on earth. The Amen. Holy Spirit moving in these members. Amen. So you can't organize Christ. Amen. You can't do it. I want you to hold on to that for that lady of seeing age now. Remember it and keep it because every word speaks on this tape. And now remember, keep it in mind. God's true church was never organized. The Catholic Church is the first organization ever known in the world. Never before was there ever an organization. It is the mother church, as the Catholics say it is. It is the mother church. Mother of organization churches. The Bible says she was. So you can't dispute that. They say that's the mother church. It is the mother church. She's pictured in Revelation 17. We're going to get to her directly. All right. Now, so Constantine, with this in his mind, to strengthen his empire, as Rome always did, to hold the keys to the world, he had to bring his pagan ideas and take the Christian ideas and some way consolidate them together to weld this together and make himself an empire that would be second to none. See? Because, because that he was, that would make him yet the greatest ruler in the world. Constantine. As far as conversion, he was, he was a politician, but not a saint of God, as some of them try to make him. He wasn't. Never one thing did he ever do that even sound like Christianity to me. So on the one of the Nicolaitan churches, he put a cross. And as far as anything else he ever done, it looked Christianity. I never seen it. Let's see, that night he painted him on his shields like that because he had a dream. The Christians was praying for him that he'd win the battle. Now, 
then it would strengthen his empire. And then to do this, he brought in pagan ceremonies over into the Nicolaitan Christian church. I'll call it the formal denominational church that was forming. He brought pagan ceremonies over into this Nicolaitan church and that was the birth of Catholicism. Now, brother, I'm quoting history. I have thousands of Catholic friends and they're just as much friends as Protestants are. But Protestants can't holler. Just wait till the night's over. See, see? you're going to see they did the very same thing. Pot can't call kettle greasy. See, because it's it's just the same thing. The same spirit got right among them. And then you're going to see why I'm always condemning that thing. Because it's wrong. The very spirit in me. I try to, and something in me cries out. I just can't hold my peace about it. Amen. Always have. Amen. Because great men, great religious leaders has told me, you'll ruin your ministry. Brother Branham, you're doing things that, that that's not your business. God called you to pray for the sick. God called me to do more to pray for the sick. Amen. The sick's just one thing. It, I catch the attention of the people. Amen. That's all. Sick, praying for the sick is a minor thing. See? The message is what we're talking about. Amen. Those things are going back. Sick a man, sick man can get healed and die again. But a man that's born to the Spirit of God has eternal life. Amen. So God just don't go around healing the sick like that. That gifts right in the church for the local body. One on, then the other, and then the other, and then the other. Amen. See? But gifts just goes to the church. But it's more than that. I hope you catch it. All right. The birth of Catholicism. In order to do this, to catch the, the eyes of the Christians and also the eyes of the pagans, to weld them together and make one church. Oh, I wish I had that. Just now, a piece of paper somebody laid up here the other night. I was going to bring it and I forgot it. So many things laying around in the room there. They're doing the very same thing right now. And you started it when you elected the last man you elected. They're working now to find even a Bible that won't hurt the Catholic, nor the Jew, nor the Protestant. They're going to make them a Bible that'll fit the whole thing. Can't you see the cunningness of another Constantine? Amen. Amen. History just repeating itself back. Now, you've seen I got the line. You heard me read it the other night, didn't you? And I I got it laying at home. And they've been working on it for a long time. Now, they say in 62, they'll notice that Pope John XXII has asked all the little daughter churches to come back home to the mother church. Don't worry, she will. They will. They're already back. They don't have to go back. They're already there now. Like I say in this country, said, well, if Mr. Kennedy gets elected, the Catholics will take over. Take over? 
They already did it a long time ago, and you didn't know nothing about it. Amen. Amen. Who pays their teachers? How do they get these things to go to their schools and teaching Catholicism right in their school and you taxpayers pay for it? Amen. Oh, right under your nose. <laughs> See, like that. Oh, my. I have worked in the Bible, said he'd take it by flatteries, and he did. Amen. Right. See? <coughs> pay taxes on nothing. So, oh, so much could be said here. I just have to cut off them spots and go back again to pick up. In order to get this thing to working... Constantine set up a lot of um, worldly entertainments to attract the attention of both pagan and Christian into the church. Are you spiritually minded? Are you thinking? Isn't that the message of the hour? The church has bunko games, parties, giveaway cars, and just to get them mixed together. Welding that power back together till they can get a striking place. Just write your... That's history. Someone has no uh, no axe to grind. They're just quoting what happened. But he did it. Welded the church together by having worldly entertainments to bring together the... Nicolaitan church. Now remember, he could not touch that born-again church. Amen. No, sir, not any of them. But the farm old Nicolaitan church fell for it. And what do we have in our Protestant churches? Soup suppers, entertainment, skating home, rag sales and everything else. Now, you know that's the truth. Well, now, that, if that is God's Word, friends... It's the truth. And all Protestant churches are guilty. Amen. 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 Now, never was God's plan to to have soup suppers and dances in the basements and all that they're carrying on to pay off the pasture and the things. If people just taught to pay their tithes, that'd be all there'd be to it. That's God's plan. But God has a plan, but man wants to make his own plan. Hybriding. God's plan. All right. Now, in doing this, they consolidated and made the early form, the early Catholic Church later. Then at the first great Nicene Council, when I read that, I just fell on my knees. The great Nicene Council had taken place in A.D. 325. All of them was brought together. The bishops and fathers of the Christian faith was brought together at Nicaea. That's the reason it's called the Nicaea Council. In A.D. 325, and about 1,500 delegates came to the, the, the convention or the council. About 1,500 delegates and the laity outnumbered the bishops five to one in the delegation. But yet through the Nicolaitans, the Colformals, and Constantine's politicianal plan, they outvoted the true church and won the victory and issued in 
bishops and holy order of man taking this the Holy Spirit from the meeting and placing it up on bishops, cardinals, and popes and so forth. The same crooked deal that the Democrat Party played in this last thing. Now that's right. Now we're not I the Republicans to be just as low down. But I'm talking about one thing that they prove Edgar Hoover in California and many other places. They had those vote machines placed to where you'd vote for Mr. Nixon. You had to vote for, for Kennedy at the same time. He didn't have a chance. Well, now that they've proved that wrong, then why don't they do something about it? We're living in the hour. That's it. We're at the end time. They know it. They proved that they were crooked. And now they won't do nothing about it. That was a crooked outfit back there, and here's the birth of it again. To get in a certain man. To get over a certain doctrine. Nicolaitan doctrine, which was once just a, a deeds. Now it's become a doctrine. The days of Al Smith, it was a deeds, but now it's a doctrine. <laughs> Now it's here. It's upon us. Oh, you'll make a Jim Dandy president. There's no doubt about that in my mind. Certainly. For that next term. Amen. Till so he can get welded in. Amen. Get these pagan and Christian farmers welded together. They're working on Bibles to try to bring it together. The popes, the cardinals, the archbishop of England, the archbishop of Canterbury. I met him, shook hands with him, talked to him myself. What is his name? Leggings all from up almost to his hips and all kind of a funny dress, fella. But he went over to visit the Pope the first time they visited for hundreds of years. What is it? We're at the last hour. That's why I'm standing here tonight instead of out here on the platform somewhere else trying to preach and pray for the sick. And I can't meet them all on the platforms these messages over and over. And that's the reason we're taking it on tape and sending it to the world. But they might be warned and get back to the faith. Amen. Even at the last of the Christian age, Jude, before the book of Revelations is written, St. Jude, supposed to be the brother, foster brother of Jesus, said, I want you to earnestly contend for the faith that was once delivered to the saints. Amen. They begin to get away from it then, at the death of the Lord Jesus. And now, how far is it away tonight? See? Now, this first Nicene Council, and uh, it was in AD 330, uh, 325, about 1,500 delegates and bishops attended the meeting, but they overruled them in some foggy, stormy council it was, and they overruled them and voted in that the Nicolaitans took over. And that was to take the all the church and put it under a supervision of popes or, or bishops or something. Taking the power from the church and giving it over to the bishops. That the bishops should rule a church and the only one that had anything to say about it. you notice in the Catholic Church today? You can't read that Bible. That's not for you to interpret. That's the bishop. See where it come from? Now you can see what the Nicolaitans really was. Amen. Before it began to squeak and crawl, it was born right there. 
It's true. And it was a form of Christianity. Still is. Amen. And then the Protestant types right after. The Bible in Revelation 17 said to the mother and the daughters. Amen. We'll get to it at a while, the Lord willing. Now, you notice it's the same today they took over. Now, Constantine used Balaam's strategy. Now, I want you to try to listen as close as you can. Now, he said here in the Bible here, Hold fast my faith. Now, have a few things against thee, because thou hast, thou, because thou hast there them, not these here, but there they have them. You have them in the, in the Pergos church. See, hold in the doctor, the doctrine of Balaam, who taught Balak to cast a stumbling block before the children of Israel to eat things sacrificed unto idols and to commit fornications. Now, Constantine used the same strategy that Balaam did. They had a meeting after this council meeting here that the bishops was put over the churches and so forth to rule it and take all the power from the laity and they had no thinking of themselves neither did they have any right to interpret the scriptures and it was all to the priest was to do the interpretation of the scriptures finally after a while they make a master priest and they uh, a vicar which was the pope but now they've come to the spot where they put all the the understanding belongs to the priest and the congregation don't have to read the Bible. They don't have to do nothing. And frankly, they, the Bible's kept from them. And now they, they've taken it all over upon themselves. And it was voted in thus because it looked good. It looked good because they were rich and so forth. And he gave the, that, this great meeting when he called together. Constantine gave the bishops nice buildings. He got a hold of some money and, and all these big places of great like uh, buildings. He gave these over to the church that they could use them as, as church houses. All oh, they were nice buildings, all dressed up and so forth. So he gave them over to the church. Besides that, he dressed up these bishops with great big robes. And the underskirts and things under him. And besides that, he put them up on a build a high place like this and put them up on there like an idol. And down below them, he made marble altars under them. And he did all this converting from the pagan idea over and bringing Christianity into it, but taking their bishop. See, they just took down the idol and put up the bishop. Amen. See? Amen. Making him an altar, the same thing in making him a god. Put up the bishop. He had all say so. Dressed him all up and made him look like a god. Instead of putting him like their pagan gods, they put him on a robe like Jesus wore. See? And they made him just look like an idol sitting there. Oh, you can imagine how the pagans said, well, I can go for that. There's somebody can speak back to us. We've been talking to an idol. But this man can speak back to us. How the Christians thought, 
Well, that's just fine. Now, we can do anything we want to because there's our God. We can, just, we can talk to Him and He can tell us back what to do. If we sin, we tell Him about it, give Him a little something, and a little, uh, do a little novena or something, and the first thing you know, we're all right. We'll go back out and feel free again. Amen. Don't have to worry about nothing. Oh, that looked good. Sure. It still does to the carnal mind. Amen. But you'll never poke that down a barn again, child of God. Amen. Or he knows who he has believed and persuaded that he's able to keep that which he's committed to him against that day. And forgetting the things that's in the past, we press towards the mark of the high calling in Christ. Oh, how thankful I am. Marble altar undering, setting up here, real dress, the fine church. Oh, how this is all fixed up. All right. And this altar was overlaid, this marble altar, beautiful. You're to see him, yeah. Same thing. Overlaid with gold and studded with gems, jewels, in this altar. Beautiful. Very fitting it was to the Nicolaitans and to the pagans. See what he did? He took the pagan ceremonies, the pagan ideas, and took Christianity, the cold farmers that didn't know no better, didn't have the Holy Ghost to lead them different, and made them a God here on earth, and made an altar for them, and a God to sit there to forgive their sins. Are you spiritual? Do you understand what I mean? See what it is? A sin-passing forgiveness on earth. I'm not quoting that from my mind. That's the history. Amen. Give you a page and number of the sacred history. The same as I can tell you, George Washington and Abraham Lincoln and the Battle of Gettysburg and so forth. Sure, all those things are history I'm quoting here. Now, it was very fitting to, not to this born-again church, no, sir. Well, when they put a man up there now to be a head bishop to uh, recite ceremonies, of course, that run the full gospel plumb out of it. Amen. It does yet today. Amen. Them ages are just carried over, just lapped over, see? Another farm, another day. Oh, when they put a dignitary up there like a god, and he'd have a few ceremonies said and notice that the pagans prayed to their dead ancestors. And a Protestant church that would stand up and say, I believe in the Holy Roman Catholic Church and the communion of saints. You Methodists hide your face. Presbyterians and Lutherans. Anything that intercedes with the dead is spiritualism. Sure. But now the Protestant can't laugh at the Catholic. It does the same thing. Makes us... All sufficient confession that he believes the same name. Baptized right back into the Catholic Church by his water baptism. Rejecting and making fun of people who try to live that right. Go to a church and see people shouting under the power of God and stand outside and make fun of it. Oh, See, spirits don't die. People do, but not spirits. See? The Holy Spirit, it can't die. It was on Jesus, now it's in His church. Always will be until He comes for His church because it's a part of Him. See? The old persecutors, they, they made fun of Him back there in that day. They still live here today. God takes His man 
but not his spirit off the earth. The devil takes his man, but never the spirit uh, out of the earth. Those priests that sanctioned Jesus' death, that said he was a fortune teller or a devil, them fellows was religious as all religious could be. That's right. They know that scripture by letter, but they didn't know the true interpretation to it. They had their own idea, and they wouldn't listen to nothing else. And then they seen him and know how could they fail to see that Jesus didn't qualify to everything every prophet ever said about him. But they were blind. And God said he blinded their eyes for a purpose that we might have a chance for salvation. Now, the Bible's predicted again that, he'll, that we are in this Pentecostal age is naked, miserable, blind, and don't know it. There's the condition of the church, Philadelphia. Oh, you formal Baptist Presbyterians and Pentecostals. See, there you are. Sometimes I don't mean that to you sitting here and I'm on a tape. You see, and I know where it's going. Repent! Get back to the Bible. Get back to Christ. All right. But that's what's taking place. The full gospel is pushed out. The signs and wonders in the church was dispelled. And when the Holy Spirit group was excommunicated from amongst the others, then they denied that there was a day of such. And it was at that, and they do the same thing today. It's exactly, can't you see the spirit of it? As I told you at the beginning, put on your spiritual thinking. Let God open up your heart. Don't be prejudiced. Sit and listen. Say, Holy Spirit, reveal to me. I sit. There it is. Ceremonies were Baptist, Presbyterian, even Pentecostals. It's become a religious ceremony. Only thing you do is beat on a piano or something or jump up and down a while and as soon as the piano stops, <laughs> go out, cheat, steal, lie, everything else. But the real and enough temper to find a bus off. Talk about everybody and everything. See, there you are. Not only Methodist, Baptist, Presbyterian, Catholic, but Pentecostal church in the Laodicean age here. Oh, why don't you get back to that what your forefathers had? Why don't we come back to real Pentecost that sanctifies and fills with the Holy Spirit that brings Christ to us? That's what we need. All right. Now, same today. Now, the word Pergamos means married. The very word Pergamos means married. Christianity... That is the Nicolaitan side, the formal side, married the, to the state with pagan ceremonies. Pagan ceremonies. And it was the birth of the Catholic Church in that day. Now, anyone knows that the Catholic Church was brought into existence at the Nicene Council. Before there, it was called a Nicolaitan by God, which means Nicol, Nicol to conquer, overcome, or overthrow the laity. And when they did that, they didn't want the Spirit amongst the people and pastors, which means shepherds, 
to let the Holy Spirit you say, well, can't the priest be a shepherd? What kind of a food's he feeding you? Do you get the same results they had the day of Pentecost? Certainly not. Hail Mary. Who ever seen that at Pentecost? <laughs> Novenias. All this sprinkling, pouring, using a triune God, Father, Son, Holy Ghost. Where do you ever get that at Pentecost? Amen. <laughs> Jesus said, Let the house of Israel know surely God's made the same Jesus who you crucified, both Lord and Christ. Amen. Amen. That's right. Where do we get those things? It's a Nicolaitan begin with and formed up into Catholicism. Now, you say, well, I'm sure glad that I'm not a Sam. Now, just don't be too sure. Now, remember, Christianity, Nicolaitan. Now, you get the story, listen close before we go any farther. I want you to get it if we stay here till midnight. Amen. Because, brother, it's your soul. Amen. You say, well, I belong to... I didn't, that ain't it. If you haven't got the Holy Ghost, brother, I don't care how many churches you belong to, you're lost. If you are not born again of the Spirit of God by the baptism of the Holy Spirit, you're lost. Because you haven't got eternal life. And eternal life is the only thing that God will raise up. Because it's the only life that's left. If a grain of corn, as I've quoted here at the agriculture hour, how many remembers old brother Spurgeon, the Methodist preacher up in Henryville? A wonderful old character. We were sitting at the ice cream fountain at Red Furnishes one day, eating ice cream. And we were talking about a meeting that I had up there. And the agriculture hour was on, and Red had the, the little speaker turned on, and of, the, of his radio sitting out there, and somewhere... They were speaking, of course, the message was coming from Louisville, but the 4-H club had, had got a machine that could turn out a grain of corn that they could put the calcium and petroleums and everything into the corn and make it look just exactly like it was made from... Uh, the 4-H had it, science had perfected it, that the corn looked so real that you could take a handful out of the sack, grow it in the field, handful out of the sack, machine it turned out, and... This over here at the machine turn would make the same kind of corn flakes, corn bread. And actually, you could take them out to the laboratory and cut them apart, the grains, and you couldn't tell one from the other. Had the same amount of petroleum, same amount of calcium and, and moisture. Everything that went in one grain, it was in the other. He said the only definite way to know that which was grown in the field and which was made by the machine, bury both handfuls. And they both rotted, and the one that was made by machine would not come up again. Amen. But the one that God had grown lived again. Amen. Why? Because it was not germatized. And you might look like a Christian, act like a Christian, and do every good deed that you could do and live faithful to your church, but unless you are germatized with the Holy Spirit, Amen. The life of God, eternal life coming in you, not by confession, but by a gift of the Holy Ghost. Amen. How do you get it? The doctor said on the day of Pentecost that wrote the prescription, <laughs> Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Amen. The gift of the Holy Ghost, which is eternal life. That's the only thing that God will raise up. It's the only thing he's got life he can raise up. 
See? Amen. That's the only thing that can go. I hope that's clear. God grant that it's clear. Now, uh, the Nicolaitans then had the formal side. And they married to the pagan church, bringing in pagan altars, making Christian altars, brought in a pagan god and made it speak and talk in the form of a bishop. Set up there, robed it up and make it look like a god. See? It's not what's on the outside, it's what's on the inside. Yeah. Them two grains of corn look the same. It wasn't what was on the outside, it's what was on the inside. The, the inside, the life. Well, it was made there, and that was the birthplace of early Catholic Church, which is the mother of all church denominations. Now, you say, well, uh, Brother Branham, then as long as I am Catholic, not just one minute. Let's stop here just a second, by the way. And let's us turn now to Revelation 17th chapter, just a minute. Just turn right straight to it. Now, this is a revelation of what? Jesus Christ to His churches. As I read, listen close. And there came one of the seven angels which had the seven vials and talked with me, saying, Come here, and I will show thee the judgment of the great whore that set upon many waters. Now, so that I can have a witness, how many knows that a woman in the Bible every time that's given in a symbol means the church? Amen. All right. How many knows that the great whore, right here in the same chapter, is the city that's set on seven hills? Amen. All right. And now how many knows that the Bible said the waters, here she's set up on many waters. Not a water, but waters. And waters means the people. Amen. Well, get the 15th chapter, you can see there, 15th verse, see? And he said unto me, the waters which thou sawest where the horse setteth are people, multitudes, nations, and towns. See? Yeah. see? Now, this woman was an apostate, wasn't she? Now, this is teaching. So you must put your conscience behind you now. See? What is uh, that foul woman called whore? is a woman that's untrue to her marriage vow. Now, the church, the Catholic church, claims to be the bride and the wife of Christ. Even the nuns cut off their hair and have no affections. They're all affections to Christ. Is that right? Amen. Sure. Anybody? I come from a Catholic background, see? I got their facts of our faith and their books and their Protestants and the Baptists and whatever you believe there in my study. So I studied. So if anybody says anything, whoop, I can back you right up to your own thing. So the hours come for this to go out. Now, first thing, God had to move across the nation showing signs, wonders, and miracles that the people would know. God's sheep knows his voice. Amen. 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 You know exactly. You have to find first. You go out without being known, and you just, what do you do? You do more harm than ever. Let it. Let God take care of that. See? I'll show thee the judgment of the great whore. Now, if she was that, then she was a woman professing to be something that she was committing adultery. Is that right? Well, then if it was a church, she was committing adultery against God. Is that right? Amen. Then adultery would be fornication, spiritual fornications. She's teaching something to the people that's not God's Word. Amen. Is that right? right? She's teaching something that isn't true. Amen. That's the Nicolaitans. Amen. Is it coming here? 
going about putting popes and priests and taking the Holy Spirit out. Days of miracles is past. The Bible said Jesus Christ seen yesterday and forever. The Bible said, Repent and be baptized, everyone, in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of your sins. He says, Father, Son, and Holy Ghost, sprinkle, pour out. Oh, my. See? Now, watch what this woman was doing. Whom the kings of the earth have committed fornications and the inhabitants of the earth have been made drunk with the wine of her fornications. Drunk. Kill you, put you to death, shoot you, or anything else, brother. You're absolutely drunk on that stuff. See? The wine, that's what she's giving out. Eh? Her wine of her fornications. Let me tell you something. My mother was Catholic. I'll turn, all right. Now you said that's horrible. Now just wait a minute, Protestant. I'm talking to these on the tapes. So he carried me away in the spirit into the wilderness, and I saw I saw a woman sitting up on a scarlet colored beast. Now what does the word scarlet detect? It detects royalty. It means I mean means raw, loyal, royal. See, like kings and so forth. Full of names of blasphemy, having seven heads and ten horns. Now the seven heads are the seven mountains on which the city sets, and this woman is the city. And the woman was arrayed in purple. The woman. The beast was scarlet. But the woman was arrayed in purple. Now have I not warned you the other day? There's three curtains. I don't know how long I'll live. But remember this. As I told you many years ago, watch Russia. There's three curtains. Remember this. There is the iron curtain. There is the bamboo curtain. Red China and so on. And there's a purple curtain. Amen. You watch that curtain. That's the deceiver. So much. The woman was arrayed in purple, scarlet colors. Decked with gold, precious stones, and pearls. Remember me speaking back here what the first altar was of the Nicolaitan? See? Woman being the church. Having a golden cup in her hand. Remember the gold overlaid the altar? Cup she was giving the people. Full of the abomination of the filthiness of her fornication. That's what she's giving the people. They were swallowing it. Sure. Drunk on it. Just drunk. All that bunch of Irish and French and so forth. Cut your throat if you say one thing against that church. And upon her forehead was a name written, Mystery Babylon. Now, where did Babylon move from? From Babylon up into Pergamos and become Satan shifting his seat. Oh, I wish we could go through all Revelation so he could see it. Babylon, the great, the mother of harlots, a mother of harlots and abominations of the earth. What was she? A mother of harlots. That wasn't sons, was it? Her church. Yes, sir. Said, so isn't the church called in the Bible Babylon? See? In their own book. All right. Now, if she was a prostitute, a whore, and she was a mother of harlots, she had to have daughters. And if they were daughters, they were girls, they were churches. 
Now, where did the Protestant church come from? Is that right? What's the difference between a, a whore and a harlot? The same thing. Martin Luther came out to switch out to give the true church a chance. Wesley, on into Pentecost, and every one of them went right back to that Nicolaitan idea of organizing with general overseers and everything else, and went right back with the same baptism that they were baptized with, same forms, same ceremonies, even met in with catechisms and Hail Mary, not Hail Marys, but uh, what's this? It's about the same thing that Apostles' Creed. Show me the Apostles' Creed in the Bible, brother. If they had a creed, it's Acts 2.38. That's what they commanded everybody to do. Where did you ever hear an apostle make a creed saying, I believe in the Holy Roman Catholic Church? I believe in the communion of saints. When the Peter, the one that had the key, said there's no other mediator between God and man but Christ Jesus. But look at the Protestant churches. What did they do? They couldn't be satisfied. Each one of them had come out come out with a Pentecostal blessing. It's exactly right. Even Martin Luther spoke in tongues. It's exactly right. Excused himself saying, God, these horrible words that I'm muttering, I don't know what I'm saying. Sure. He believed in it. Certainly he did. Now, down through the age, they've had, had the Spirit, but they always pull away and make organizations that them first founders are gone. If you'd let the Lutheran church go on and not organize it, it'd been Pentecostal. What is the Pentecostal church? I mean the real Pentecostal, not the denomination now. It's just as uh, pot and kittle again, see? But they've done the same thing. And they'll put them right back at the Nicolaitans just like they did at the beginning. How many sees that say amen? Amen. amen. I, I just sort of have your word that you're... See, a mother of prostitutes. If they're prostitutes, how did they become prostitutes? By committing fornications against the Word of God. If the Word of God said, Repent and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ, and every person in there was baptized in Jesus' name, and then you take Father, Son, and Holy Ghost, that's prostitution. Is that right? And if the Bible of baptizing is by immersing, baptizo from the Greek word, then how do you get sprinkling and pouring? Where does that come in at? If you substitute shaking hands or taking a wafer on your lip and swallowing or something other like that for the Holy Ghost and the Holy Ghost came from heaven like a rushing mighty wind and filled the people and made them speak in tongues and shout and act like a drunk person and you substitute shaking hands or put your letter in the church or something like that, how are you ever going to get out of the way of committing spiritual fornications? I just asked yourself that. Shake your minds down. Open up your heart and be honest, brethren. We're at the end of the road. These meetings are just not set here in vain. They were ordered of God. I believe it as sure as you believe me to be His servant. I said in the name of Jesus that God placed upon my heart to come here. I don't get one penny for doing it. I, 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 I could be out there praying for the sick somewhere or something like that. Or I could be out under uh, going fishing and drawing my money just the same. I get a salary from the church. But God placed it up on my heart. I couldn't get away from it. Just kept crying to me at it. 
And I'm doing all I can. I'm here in the name of the Lord. Doing everything I know how to do. Don't let it pass you. Amen. Now, Protestant, do you see what I mean by the Catholic and Protestant church? Just one is just the same as the other. That's exactly right. Now, means wedded. Pergamus means wedded. Now, let's take, he said, thou hast them among you that has the doctrine of Balaam. Let's just take that. Have we got time? I'll hurry just quick as I can. Or would you rather just wait and see if we come back in the morning? How many just worry to go ahead just a little while longer? Let, or, now, I, I know it's hot in here. And if you're sitting still and hot, what do you think up here, you see? But, oh, my, we're trying to get away from that place that is hot. Amen. That, that's what it is for, for eternal. Now, now, of course, when they set up a church like that, what happened? Now, listen closely, my children. What happened? Why, of course, that took the Holy Ghost right out of the church. No wonder another bishops raised the dead or done the miracles. And I'm talking about some of these saints being in their church. They protested the thing. But they claim them. Look at Joan of Arc, that young girl. I ask you Catholic people, are you Protestants, any of you? Joan of Arc in her day, there was nothing in France there but the Catholic church that smothered the saints down. But God moved upon that girl and she had the Holy Ghost. And what did she do? She could foretell things. The Lord would give her visions and foretell it. She prayed for the sick. She prayed for a little dead baby to come back to life again. That's Pentecostal. Amen. And what did the Catholic Church do to her because she protested the Catholic Church? They called her a trial and burned her to a stake as a witch. Amen. And now you say, St. Joan of Arc. Two hundred years later, about when the church found out what they had done and she was a saint, oh, of course, they'd done repentance for it. They dug up those priests' body who sanctioned her death and throwed them in the river. You think that'll ever wash the blood off its hands? Amen. The Bible said the, the blood of every martyr was found in it. That's what the angel of the Lord said. was found in Babylon. Every murder or martyr and all the saints of Christ that was ever martyred was found out in here from the Nicolaitan age on through. Every martyr. Think of that. Thank you, Brother Ben. Now, think of that. Now, just a little further now. The Christian church married to, um, to, uh, to Babylon. Fergus means the wedding. Now, the doctrine of Balaam. You have them among you who has the doctrine of Balaam. Oh, I just love these things. Oh, if you just stay a little longer on one. See, but you just, we want to let you see it and then move on to something else because it's just, just full of golden nuggets. I'm a prospector. I like to go down and dig these nuggets up and shine them up and polish them up like this and look at them. And every one of them will reflect Jesus Christ. Every one of them. See, every one of them reflects Jesus Christ. He's the Alpha and the Omega. Ever, ever carried a gold in the nugget. <laughs> That's right. He is every bit of it. That's the reason He's deity made flesh among us. Now, in order to get, I, I won't take time for this because I got, I see it's nine, and I, I got another thing I want to get in tonight, if God willing. 
And I want you to just put this down and you read it tomorrow. You put down Numbers 22 to 25. I want you to read that now. And you can follow behind me. And I, now, Numbers 22 to 25. We know that Israel, Israel was the chosen people of God. Is that right? Amen. They were the, they were Pentecostal. <laughs> they had the Spirit among them. You remember last night's message? How that Moses, when he had crossed over the Red Sea, or the Dead Sea, and found behind him in the Red Sea of the blood, representing the blood, all the taskmasters that ever beat him, and all the children of Israel, Moses raised his hand and sang in the Spirit. Oh, every one of us can be a Moses. When we look back in the red blood of the Lord Jesus and see every old drunk, every old bottle, every old vulgar woman, every old dirty thing that we ever done in our life, all dead in the blood of the Lord Jesus, Amen. makes us sing in the Spirit. Amen. Cigarettes, tobaccos, and bad habits, and everything else, dead in the blood of the Lord Jesus, and we can raise our hands and Amen. sing in the Spirit. Look what Miriam done, the prophetess. Now remember, she was a prophetess. She took the tambourine and began to beat the tambourine and dance in the Spirit. And the daughters of Israel followed her down the bank, beating these tambourines and dancing in the Spirit. Real Pentecostal. And then, if you notice, when they come to Moab... Now we're getting back, we're on the scripture now, the doctrine of Balaam. And in Moab, Moab was Israel's brother. How many knows where Moab come from? Alright, Moab is what I would call the hybrid. Because that Moab started from Lot's daughters. Lot had a baby by his own daughter. Had the two children. And Moab was one of them. And he formed the nation of Moab, the tribe. And actually, Lot was a nephew to Abraham, which actually come back in that same line. We know that. Now, I want you to notice they were not pagans, as some of our plays recently would give you to... Remember, they were believers. Now, when here come Israel up on their road to the promised land, making their way right in the line of duty, and here laid Moab right in the way, they sent messengers to Moab and said, Let us pass through your land. We are your brother. Now, Moab represented the Nicolaitans. Now you see, just in a minute, Israel represented the true church. And Balaam was one of the bishops. Popes. Watch and see now. Carnal Christianity. Now we'll notice that he was gifted, there's no doubt about it. Many of them are fine speakers, doctors of philosophy and, and great man. You can't deny that. But having a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof. Call back to that original Pentecost. Amen. Don't get away from there. If when you do, you're lost. Stay with that blessing. 
That's it. The blesser of the blessing. Now, notice as they journeyed, they come up to this formal hybrid church and they said, we are passing through to a revival. <laughs> We're going over to the promised land. Will you permit us to go through? If our cattle lick up any grass, if they drink any water, we'll pay you for it. Then what did the king Balak, he got all excited and he didn't want such a meeting as that in his church or his land. So what did he do? He sent over to the Pope or to the bishop, Balaam, a hireling prophet, one that loved money more than he loved God. And the king Balak told him, if you'll come out here and curse this people, I'll make you a great person. And God spoke to Balak. I wonder if it had to be, I mean Balaam, wonder how many Balaams is in this world tonight. Methodist ministers, Baptist ministers, Catholic priests, mercy. That knows that God, that you read the same history in the same book I do. Balaam. Now, notice, then he said, come down and curse the people. And Balaam said, uh, uh, I'll ask God. God said, don't you go. But the next morning he said, went and told the priest or the, the king and he come back and said, oh, I'll, I'll make you a great man. So Balaam kept on. God said, go on then. You go on. Amen. See, if you won't follow truth, you think, Nicolaitans, that because God's doing for you what you're doing like that, there's original truth. You're only taking God's permissive will. Amen. You say God gives us the Holy Spirit or blesses us and we're baptized in the name of Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. You Balaamite. Doctrine of Balaam. God did tell him that he was so arrogant, he just let him go and hang his own self. Amen. You got to get back to truth, foundational truth. Amen. Back to the Bible. Amen. Well, he's blessed us. And he, oh, I know that. He did tell Balaam, said, you go ahead. If you want to go, if that you're bound to go that way and you want the organization route, take it. Amen. Go on. Then Balaam started and jumped on his mule, or not his mule, his donkey. Down through there he went. And the first thing you know, the uh, angel of the Lord stood in the way. And you know that prophet, that Pope, bishop, cardinal, whatever he was, was so blinded to spiritual things, the thought he was going to get it promoted because he lived on the river Euphrates. <laughs> I guess he thought that was some inheritance, like upon this rock I'll build my church, Peter, or on some rock that was in Rome or something. But when he got to the place, there stood the angel with a drawn sword, and he was so blinded that he couldn't see it. And the mule smashed his foot against the wall. And then he rode him on and the, the angel stood in the way again. God will block every door. And this mule still turned around. And he jumped off and took his stick and began to whale him with it. This little donkey laying there getting beat on the head. And 
I sure what changed him, what let him have the notion or told him where he was wrong. He let that mule speak in tongues. Not a mule. He was a donkey. Don't say he was a mule. He couldn't have got it. He was a hybrid, see. He was original seed. Moab was science past. All things are past. Israel had signs following. But this little donkey turned around and said, Haven't I been your donkey? Have ever I? And that, that blinded bishop sitting up on that, still beating that mule, and the mule got talking to him in unknown tongues to the mule, and he said, Yes, you're, you're my donkey. And, uh, have, I, have I ever not carried you? Have I ever failed you? No, you haven't. If I had a sword, I'd kill you. I'd stop this meeting. <laughs> I'm on my road down there to stop that bunch of holy rollers from coming through this land. I'd, I'd put it on you. See? And the first thing you know, you happen to look around. <laughs> you thought, Well, this is funny. I can hear that mule talking. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Balaam. Mm. See, God's always spoken unknown tongues to people. He did in the days of... You say, that's just on Pentecostal. Oh, no. No, no. At Belsazer's feast, he spoke in tongues. Amen. Wrote it out on the wall. They had a man there had to get the interpretation, so he interpreted for him, told him what it was. Same things today. So being that there was no interpreter to it, God just let this old Balaam wake up this cardinal and realized what it was. And did you know that blind fellow went right on anyhow? Sure. That's the way they do it today. Same thing, the Movenites, Nicolaitans, going right on. And he went right on over there and he went, now watch, if God had to regard fundamentalism, he was duty bound to bless Moab. Because notice, Balaam built seven altars. That's exactly the number seven. Seven church ages. See how the spiritual application? Now hold that now. Spiritual application. I'm going to get to it in a minute in a hard place. See? The spiritual application. Seven altars, seven bullocks, clean animals, and seven rams. Speaking of the coming of Christ. Hundreds of years before He came. But they believed. What did they believe? They believed in Jehovah God. What else did they believe? They believed that a clean sacrifice was to be offered. That's right. And they claimed that they believed that the Messiah was coming because he offered a, a male sheep, which was a ram. Is that right? Now you just tie for the Baptist one time. Find out if they don't do the same thing. That's exactly right. Well, now, what's the difference? Here's Israel down at the bottom of the hill offering the same offerings that they offered up here, praying to the same God. Can't you see the Nicolaitans? Amen. The hybrid? Amen. See it? Don't you see the true spiritual? What was the difference of them? One of them had signs following. Amen. The other one had the farm. The other one had signs following. That's the same thing that taken place here. The Nicene Council. Nicolaitans 
form of Christianity. And the Holy Spirit comes back and said, you've got the doctrine of Balaam among you. Amen. See? And you, I hate them deeds of the Nicolaitans, them doctrines that they got, because it's a doctrine of Balaam who taught the children of Israel to stumble. How did he do it? Then when he went out to curse that people, God said, I'll tie up your tongue. You can't stand up what I tell you. You can't curse what I've blessed. So he looked down there and look at this hypocrite. Oh, we can just run on out with it, see. Look at this old King Balaam, the, 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 the head of all of it. Told this your false prophet. Said, go down there and just look at the back part of them. <laughs> That's the way the... The big churches like to say to God's little minority, you know what? I know one of them, boy. You know what he done? He, he did this and he did that. That was Pentecostals. Sure. Oh, but if you just know the truth about them. But papers and things will keep that quiet. But let a little Pentecostal get out of the ride sometime and watch how the whole country blatters it out. Sure. Yes, sir. But now notice, he said, just look at the back part, the, back, the worst part of it. Balaam said, yeah, I just looked at the back part, that bad part, what they do. That's what I'll do. I just looked at the, their honoriness. They're no good because if you're looking at the no good, they wasn't. That's right. They'd done every sin on the calendar. But what he failed to see, he failed to see that smitten rock. Amen. That bright serpent. Amen. That joy of the king Amen. among them. Healing signs, wonder. That pillar of fire hanging over them. That blinded prophet couldn't see it. No, sir. But he's showing the dirty part of him. Well, I know one run away with another man's wife. I, I know this. He stole some money. That's right. That's right. I'll admit that. They got the same thing over there, but they didn't say anything about it. See, So just showing the worst part. But he said, God said, you just say what I say. And Balaam got into the spirit, fell into a trance. And instead of cursing Israel, he blessed it. Hallelujah. There he was. Now, if God had recompense or respects to fundamental these high schools and great seminaries and college and PhDs and DLDs and all, all kinds of DDs. Well, what if he had respect to that? Well, then you could, he'd have to have respect to them. See? But he respected and had already blessed these people with a blessing because the Spirit, the King, they said there was a shout of the King in the camp. Amen. What? Amen. What? The King of Saints Amen. screams in joy. What of another kingdom? Hallelujah. I'll prove to you they were not denominationals. Amen. You want me to do that? I think I put on a scripture here for that. Yes, sir? Let me prove to you that Israel was not... Let's turn back to Numbers. Just so that you'll see that they wasn't... They, now, Moab was a great denomination. We'll go get uh, Numbers 23 and 9. I'll get the, the 8th verse with it. And how shall, I, how shall I curse, said Balaam, whom God hath not cursed? Or how shall I... Defy whom the Lord has not defied. Uh-huh. Now listen to what, the, what he said. For, for from the top of the rocks 
I've seen him. That's God. Amen. Not from down in the valley, Amen. but from the top of the rocks. Oh, his eye is on the sparrow, and I know he watches me. From the top of the rocks, I've seen him. Hey, man, not from some back behind some valley, so you see the back part of him. I saw the whole thing, God said. From the top of the rocks, I've seen him, and from the hills, I beheld him. Lo, the people shall dwell alone and shall not be reckoned among the nations. Let's settle it. They were not a denomination. Nations. Oh, they were wanderers. Intense. Alice. (laughs) Down on the street corner. The little mission. Get behind the rent to kick them out. God's wanting them to go somewhere else. <laughs> Wanders. Glory. Glory. Amen. Over in Jamaica not long ago, there was a fine Pentecostal doctor of divinity. Stand there. And I said, Oh, how the Lord blessed the early Pentecostal church. They had nothing. I said, They were just wonders about. He said, uh, Brother Branham. I said, Yes, brother. Love him. Fine, brother. And he said, I just want to show you where you're wrong. I said, oh, I'm so glad of that. I, I always want to know where I'm wrong because God knows that. I, I don't want to be wrong. I said, well, if I'm wrong, I sure want to know it, brother. Thank you. He said, you keep praising those Pentecostal peoples. I said, yep. He said, they made the turbulent mistake they ever made when they sold their property. He said, when the persecution rose, they didn't even have a home to go to. They didn't have no place to go, and they wandered about. I said, just exactly the will of God. Right. He said, why? I said, if they'd had a home, they'd have went back. But they had to go from here to there, spreading the news everywhere. Don't tell me that God makes a mistake. He never makes a mistake. He knows how to do it. They sold their properties and become vagabonds, spreading the news everywhere. And said the news has spread all over the whole known world, man, for them wonders who'd give up everything to have the Holy Ghost. The people did not belong to a denomination. See? Now remember, the denomination is what God is calling injected into the doctrine of Balaam. Well then, when he could not get them into this uh, denomination, you know what Balaam done? Now, listen close now. We're coming close to the close. Now, what Balaam done, he done the very same thing they'd done here at the Nicene Council. That's the reason he said you've got the doctrine of Balaam and those Nicolaitans. Now, Nicolaitans was the people who pulled out and wanted to make organizations and, and so forth. Responding, how many knows that's the truth? Now, I say organization. That's exactly the God's truth. And they finally organized the greatest organization in the world. And what did they make it? A Catholic. And what does the word Catholic mean? Universal. An organization worldwide. Organize all these little things must come into one church. Now, if you'll notice, you just keep on going. Look, what was Babylon? Who founded Babylon? Nimrod. What did he do? He made one big tower in a big city and made all the other cities pay tribute to this city. Amen. Organization. Amen. That's the backgrounds of it. Amen. Sure. Come right over here in the church age and organized again and brought the whole nations into it. And right here said, 
the whore that made all the nations drink of the wine of her fornications, her adulteries she was committing, claiming to be a Christian, and giving out such stuff as that. Catechisms, prayer books, and everything else. And the Protestants come right along the same thing, just following right in their tracks. All right, let's go just a little bit farther now. All right. All right, he said now that these was the doctrines of Balaam. Now, what did Balaam do when he found out that he couldn't, uh, that he couldn't curse Israel? He told Balak it would be a good idea then for him to invite these people to the festival of the God. They had a, they had a, a great uh, festival up there they were, where they were going to have. And they, um, uh, the uh, festival was called the Feast of Baal, P-E-O-R, Belpora, I suppose. P-E-O-R, Belpora. It was a, a feast of worship. And Balaam said, Now I'll tell you, Balak, I'll give you a good idea. If you just, if you, God won't curse them. That's all there is to it. So I'll tell you what we'll do. We can't get rid of them. But if you just invite them over, you'll swing the whole thing your way. See, exactly, exactly what Constantine did. Perfectly. That's really the doctrine of Balaam. What did they do? They, then Balak's teaching come down amongst Israel, and they invited all the Israelites up to this big feast, the big blowout they had. Oh, some big party shindig of a thing up there they had. And when they got up there... While these Israelite people begin to see these pretty, sexy-dressed Moabite women, yes, wasn't like they're common girls down there. Amen. Oh, they look so pretty. <laughs> My, how they were made, and oh, how they could show themselves. And they fell for it and began to commit adultery. And Balaam knowed if God wouldn't curse them, He'd take them over on this denominational side and cause the angry of God to kill them anyhow. Let God kill them itself. If he could ever get them out of the way of the truth. And as soon as you walk out and join a church instead of receiving the baptism of the Holy Ghost, you're dead. Amen. Not for you, but on here. I'm letting that soak a little while. Dead. You have a name said to Luther, you're the Sardis age. The word Sardis means dead. You have a name that you're alive, but you're dead. That's what God said. See? And when they committed spiritual fornications up there, the church married from the baptism of the Holy Ghost to a denomination, they become dead. There you are. That's what the Bible said. That's what God said. Speaking to the churches. Now, I'll just read something here to you. That I, and God, what did He do? And now when they did this evil thing and they were in adultery, God killed 42,000 of them at one time. 42,000 for committing adultery. And what is it spoke of here in the church? The spiritual adultery that you profess to be a Christian and still living like the world. Amen. Oh, brother, receive ye the Holy Ghost. Amen. Get away from these old creeds and they, they're dead. 
recite the Apostles' Creed or some kind of a creed and say a few prayers, wrote out of a prayer book or something like that. Jesus never did tell His people to say a prayer. He said, pray! Amen. Pray. All right. Now, Constantine's feast, just like Balaam, now watch, like Balaam's pagan feast, Constantine had a pagan feast. All right? Pergamus was invited. And um, notice now, this, I've got something to go down here. I'm going to leave it alone right now. All right. All right, I'm just trying to catch this note here of the something I put. <laughs> Pergamus was invited. All right, they was invited to a feast after the Nicene Council. They was invited to the feast of winter solace, which means the sun, worship of the sun, which was a pagan god, which fell on December the 21st, the shortest day in the year. And the years, the same time, doesn't change till December the 25th. All heathens celebrated it, the sun god's birthday. The sun god's birthday was the shortest day in the year, December the 21st, and anyone that ever read the history of the churches know that heathens worshipped on that day. It was a celebration. Well, the Romans had... They had the big games, the Roman circus. How many seen this year, whatever it was here not long ago? They had been here. See? Now, the Roman circus. That's what the Romans had on that Sunday in commemoration of the birthday of the sun god. See? And now, and they made a big feast up there and invited the Nicolaitans to come up. Oh, isn't it perfect? Amen. The teaching of Balaam you have in you. See? Telling Pergus what they had. The big races. There, they thought that these Nicolaitans thought, well, now, that's fine. This big feast is celebrated annually. Yes. So then with the invitation to the, the, the so-called archbishop or whatever he was then and everything, they'd taken to make it a continual thing to bring in fornications, bring in adultery, forming up uh, the Catholic Church, which is every Protestant denomination, a member of it, organization. God has no organization and hates the very name of it. Amen. The Bible said so. And when they did that, what happened? They, they said, now, they had to have a spiritual application. So they changed... The Lord Jesus, S-O-N, of God's birthday from April, which all good scholars know and anybody with spiritual revelations that He was born in nature time like when lambs and everything else is born. In April, way back up to the 25th day of December. And still worship Christmas, not Santa Claus and what over. Still more pagan festivals added to it. That's yeah. us all. There you are. Invited. Balaam. You have the doctrine of Balaam among you. There it is. Oh, God just revealed it, Father. See? The birthday from April until... Now, the historian says that 
all evidence that Jesus was born in the month of April when all other life comes forth. But they changed it back to the 25th day of December, five days after, see, after the pagan God, so they could put their ceremonies together. Paganism and Christianity and Catholicism is nothing in the world but a bunch of pagan superstitions and Christianity's offscaps put together. Amen. That's right. That is true. The Protestants that knuck to it is just exactly the daughter of the mother prostitute. Exactly. Now, God help us to be real protesters against anything that's not God. Oh, and to make this spiritual application with it, do you know what the bishop said? The bishop said we have a right to do this because he is the son of righteousness. Hmm. Oh, they get a loophole. <laughs> like the old Father, Son, Holy Ghost, Matthew 28, 19. <laughs> Same kind. <laughs> sure, they got a loophole. They have to have some kind of a spiritual application, you see. But it don't. The Bible said in the mouth of two or three witnesses, let every word be established. Amen. God said it that. He says it three times. If God take up the barricade, something else, He took Peter, James, and John. Everything He'd done. He had two to three witnesses to prove everything He'd done all the way through the Scripture. That's right. But you see, those little things has to come there so they can pick it up to be that. God ordered before the foundation of the world. There they got it. The spiritual application. Because he is an S-O-N of God. We'll just take the pagan S-U-N's birthday and make it S-O-N's birthday. And because he is a son of righteousness. Mm-hmm. You know, Protestants still fall for that, something like that. Sure they would. Take it right away to the Scripture. Somewhere else. Oh, uh, let's just stop for a minute. <laughs> All right. Here's one little thing I'd like to get. Let's get the last of this verse here right quick. Can we do it? Amen. Yeah. Well, I'll hurry real, real quick now, and you will hit the highlights of it. All right. Where are we at now? But a few things I have against you. Balaam, that's right, I got that. So has uh, also the doctrine of Nicolaitan. Repent, else I come quickly and fight against thee with the sword of my mouth. He that has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. My here, when Constantine did this, it was when they fixed up this great festival. I, I just, I started to move weight. Now, I'm going to wait before I read that because the Holy Spirit keeps moving back. That's the reason I did what I did then. So don't you hold that back. Amen. So Amen. here it comes. Amen. Amen. All right. Praise the Lord. The reason when they fixed up this big thing, I won't tell you what happened so that you'll understand. That was the birth of post-millenniums. Because the church had gotten rich. It was rich as it could be. And it was what? Powerful. It was over the state. State and church was together. Ah, God with the kingdom. And didn't Jesus say that ever one of these nations was His? Amen. Told yeah. Jesus so? Yeah. Showed Him the kingdom of the world and said, They're ever one mine. I'll do with them anything I want to. Amen. And then unite God and the devil together? Oh, you can't do it! Amen! Certainly you can't. That's the reason the state is organized. God's not this organization. Certainly not. You can't do it. But they had it then. They had their church called Christianity. They had it united with the nation. 
the whole emperor of Rome, all of it, the big bishop up there, over all of it, which is far, after a while I called a pope. But he was a, he was a bishop then, and um, Boniface III was the one who became the first pope. Then we find out that here he's set up there as really a pope over a god they had in human form. They had a great altar. They had fine riches. They had great, powerful, marble-late altars and decked with gems and so forth all over it. And they had big churches. They controlled the state. And you know what? The word went out that that was the millennium. That all the promises to them poor Jews that God had forsaken them, which He said He could never do it, and tried to bring in the millennium before the coming of the Lord Jesus. When Jesus comes, when the millennium sets in, that's the birthplace of post-millennium, and that's the reason the Catholic doesn't teach the coming of Jesus to this day. It's all in the church. This is the millennium. The church owns everything. This is it. (laughs) See? Post-millennium. Oh, my. Without the return of Jesus Christ, this lasted until the assassination of Constantine, which come uh, between uh, 312 and, and uh, AD 312 and 606. Then Boniface the Third was made the universal bishop or pope over the whole universal church. I believe we finish this verse, and then I'll have it. Praise God. See? And I just help just for a minute. Seventeenth verse. He that has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says unto the churches. To him that overcometh will I give to eat the hidden manna, and will give him a white stone, and in the stone a new name, written which no man knoweth, save he that receiveth. Would you rather wait till tomorrow night or have it now? Now. Heavenly Father, I pray that you'll let the people understand now in the name of the Lord Jesus that they might understand everywhere and where the tapes go that they might know that I say this because it is the divine interpretation thou hast given me. Amen. He that overcometh, the first thing I want you to remember that each one of these messages is addressed not to the church, but to the angel of the church. Look back here. The first one. The church of... Unto the the angel of the church of Ephesus. Is that right? All right. The next church age, the eighth verse. Unto the angel of the church of Smyrna. All right. And the twelfth verse. Unto the angel of the church of Pergamos. Is that right? The message is addressed to the leader of the church. Amen. God help that guy that will pull away from that message. Amen. But it was given to an angel. And the angel was in his hand, under his own control, giving thriving power from him, from his right hand. They're his right hand that is there in supreme power. While they're here on the earth because they are the lights from Him giving the light to that church age. Amen. Amen. Unto the angel of the church addressed to the star of the age that is responsible. The angel of the church is responsible if he doesn't preach the Word. That's right. 
And that angel will have to answer in the judgment. How many remembers the vision uh, here not long ago? Uh, about Look here. When I, was, when I was laying down on the bed, and the Holy Spirit come, and I looked back, my wife there, and there I was laying there and went up into the presence there, and I seen all those people. You remember me telling that? All of you do. See? And I said, well, are they? He said, they are yours. And I said, all them Branhams? He said, no, there was millions of them. He said, that's your converts. And I said, converts to that woman that you were admiring so there, young and beautiful, said, she is past 90 when you led her to Christ. And I said, oh, I said, then I was afraid of this. And he said, we are waiting here for the coming of the Lord. I said, I want to see him. He said, you can't see him now. But said, soon he will come. We're waiting for him. But when he comes, he will come to you first. And you'll be judged according to the gospel you preached. And we will be your subjects. Well, I said, you mean I'm responsible for all these? All of us. I said, well, will everyone... He said, you were born a leader. And I said, well, will everyone be responsible? He said, every leader. I said, what about St. Paul? said, he'll be responsible for his age. Well, I said, I preached the same gospel he did. And millions of voices raised said, we are resting upon that. Amen. Resting. So the angel of God, the messenger to the church, is responsible if he preaches not the word. All right. Hidden manna. Let's give the interpretation the best we can. What does hidden manna type? Hidden manna was a manna that was kept in the place or a showbread in the Bible that was only for the priest. How many knows that? See? Now, it wasn't for, they had a bread for the congregation, but there was a special bread for the priest. Is that right? This is a special bread. A special bread, hidden manna. What is it? Who is our manna? Christ. All right, St. John, the 6th chapter, 48th to the 50th verse, if you're putting it down. Jesus said he was the bread of life that come from God out of heaven. The manna. Well, what is the hidden manna? The manna that isn't given to all of the congregation. The revelation is poured out upon the angel of the church. The revelation of the Word. See? Revelation of the Word is given to the angel of that age, for it's hid from everywhere and revealed back the hidden manna to its address to the angel of the church. See? You get it? It's a little bigger revelation of what Christ is. Maybe a little higher call. Wonder if Luther recognized that. Wonder if Wesley did in his day. Oh, wonder if St. Uh, uh, Martin recognized it. Irenaeus. Now, you know, the church didn't even canonize those men. They wasn't saints to them. But they was the one who had the signs following. Amen. They took their, their own bishops and so forth for canonize. Well, here not long ago, a woman went to get the life of St. Martin at an English bookstore. And when she said, St. Martin, and the person took the rack out, 
said he isn't known very much in history. He wasn't Canaanite. See? To yet this day, but God has his name. Amen. God knows who he is. Amen. See? That's the difference. Somebody wants their name in some big something, but God's people want to shun that kind of stuff. They don't want great big things and great big something. They want to be humble. The humility. The way... The way up is down. Amen. He that humbles himself shall be exalted. He that exalts Amen. himself shall be abased. Humble himself. Don't try to be a big something. Try to be a little something. <laughs> but be what you are. See, Be little in the sight of God. Be little in your own sight. Everybody else is above you. That's him's the greatest among you. Be minister to all. Who could be greater than Jesus Christ who girded himself and washed the disciples' feet? A foot-washing flunky he become. A God of heaven, a creator of heavens and earth, washing dirty feet for a fisherman. <laughs> With manure and stuff and dust off the road where their garments are swept up and washing it off, a foot-washing flunky, what he was. And then we think we're somebody. We've got to be doctor, Ph.D., so-and-so. Oh, my. That ain't Christ. That don't display the love, lovely Jesus Christ. He becomes servant to all. That's right. Taught us an example that we should do to one another as he's did unto us. Oh, that's, and that's my love heart. What makes him big? Because he made himself little. See? That's what made him big. I've had the privilege of meeting some great men in my life. I've had some privilege of meeting men that thought they were great. <laughs> a real great man tries to make you think you're great and he's nothing. See? Meeting kings and so forth and men who are really are a great man. Meet real staunch Christians, patched clothes and things like that, and some of them come to the pulpit like a bandbox. And then, see, oh my, well, so far. All right, the hidden manna, a little something special. What is the special? Not something, the blessings of the Holy Ghost. Oh no, that's for the whole congregation. But the hidden manna was a special revelation because he had to teach the others. See, there's a little more knowledge of the Scripture. That he could teach others. He's supposed to be. Is that right? Yeah. You'll never live no higher than your pastor. You just remember that. See? And so, of course, he's a shepherd that feeds you. If he's a shepherd, he's got to know where the manna is to feed the, the sheep. Is that right? Yeah. Now, a little special. And watch this just a minute. The revelation, the hidden manna. Now, white rock. He shall have a white rock. This angel shall have a white stone. That's a rock, isn't it? And uh, dry purity. He uh, he met a man one time, and his name was Simon, and he changed his name to Rock Peter. Why? He had the key. Is that right? Amen. He changed his name and made him a rock. Is that right? Amen. Peter had the keys because he was the one who had the keys to the kingdom. A new name. A new name written in this rock that nobody knows but he himself. He knows who he is, but he can't tell others. <laughs> See? Amen. No one knows but himself. Peter knows he had the keys, but you didn't hear him bragging about it. These guys who brag about what they are is usually nothing. A white rock, and in it a new name 
Not his own name, but he's somebody else. See? That only he himself knows. He that's got the rock, the name. See? Special manna to feed the church. Remember. Remember when this taken place to this church. It was the same age, the same time that this was revealed that the Nicolaitans had set themselves up ahead of their church, a pope, and give him a white rock altar beneath him, a marble altar. Is that right? And then laid it with studs and things like that, which is precious to him. But this angel of the Lord know who he was, a son of God through, through the revelation of Jesus Christ. Amen. And when, when the Nicolaitans set up their leader and put a marble stone at his feet, see, God set up his spirit-filled leader for his spirit-filled group, his angel. And it set upon him a seal of a name. But he mustn't reveal it. <laughs> he must keep it to himself. No man knows but himself. Hidden manna, a stone, a new name that no man knows but he himself. And it was addressed to the angel of the church. I wonder if Luther knew that. I wonder if Wesley's noted. I wonder if if uh, the other great angels, and I wonder today, if in coming in the world soon, the great angel of light that will come to us, that will lead us out, a great Holy Spirit come in power and will lead us to the Lord Jesus Christ. You probably won't know it, but He'll be here some of these days. He'll make, God will make Him known. He won't have to make Himself known. God will make Him known. God will prove His own. That's what he said when Jesus is here and they didn't know him. See? He said, if I do not the works of my Father, then don't believe me. But if I do the works of my Father, you can't believe me, then believe the works. Is that right? Oh, isn't he wonderful? The book of Revelations. Now, you see where the churches is? See how they're crowded out? See how the church went out here? Now, this is the age we're coming to tomorrow night. The Lord willing. Now, I'm sorry that I kept you so long. But uh, I, I hope that you, you'll learn something. And taking down the notes, that when, I have some more here, about three or four more pages, but I just haven't got time to get to it. And of course, it's getting late, and it's uh, about 17 minutes now until, but we'll put it in the book anyhow. And so we'll, we'll, we'll have it. Now, how many loves Him with all your heart? How many believes Him with all your heart? Oh. Now, do you think that I would stand here just because that we're not an organization? That we're not an organization that would say those things? Do you understand now, brethren, why I, I, all my life I've fought against that thing? See, it was the Holy Spirit. I couldn't understand it myself. I didn't know it until just a few days ago. See, I didn't know what made me do that. I didn't know why I always cried out against women living wrong and things. I didn't know it. I do now. See, now... The Lord knows that these things are wrong. Here they are pulled right up in history. And come. the Bible said, now look here. The Bible said beforehand that these things would happen. Now we know that, didn't we? Yeah. Then we take the history of that age and see that it happened just exactly the way the Bible said. Amen. Is that right? Well, then when we get down here to our church age and what he predicts for our church age, it'll happen just exactly. 
exactly the way God said it would. Do you believe that? Oh, don't you want... Oh, I want to see Him look upon His face there to sing forever of His saving grace on the streets of glory. Let me lift my voice. Tears all past home at last ever to rejoice. Oh, I want to see Him. Look. How many does? There to sing forever of His saving grace on the streets of glory. Let me lift my voice. Tears all shake hands with one another, front, back, and around with all the Methodists, Baptists, Presbyterians, whatever it is, as I travel through this land, singing as I go, appointing souls to count, not the church, count through the crimson glow, many arrows pierce my soul from without within. Above my Lord, lead me on to Him. I must cling. Let's stand now. Oh, I want to see Him. Look upon His face. Let Him sing forever. Just raise your hand. Wonderful is my 
faithful, wonderful that Jesus is to me. He's a counselor, the Prince of Peace, the mighty God is He. He's saving me, keeping me from all sin and shame. Wonderful, Let's together say praise His name. Praise His name, my Redeemer. Remember tomorrow night, 7 o'clock. Until then, until you come back again, do this. Take the name of Jesus with you, child of sorrow and of woe. for the last song or last stanza at the name of Jesus bowing Lord God heal these Lord we'll As we get towards the end of this episode, we'll end with a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank Thee, Lord, for Thy Word, to know, Lord, that heavens and earth will pass away, but Your Word will never pass away. We pray, Father, may You change our nature from within, that our life becomes a living epistle read of all men. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening to Honey in the Rock, your daily dose of inspiration and encouragement. We hope to continue to earn your viewership throughout the year as we read the Bible from cover to cover. To make this a better listening experience for you, would really appreciate your feedback. So please email us at honeyintherock2020 at gmail.com. We also have accounts on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. So please follow us, share our pages, and subscribe. Now we'll leave you with the parting song. God richly bless you.
the great hand of Jesus reach down and pick me up oh yes oh yes I know grace do you know grace amazing Sweet the sun.